Hello and welcome to Paper Boys, the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. My name is Charlie. I'm here with my co-host, James. James, how you doing, man? Doing well, Charlie. Excited for this new paper that you're bringing in. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar already with the podcast, Charlie and I are both PhD students who read a lot of papers for our own research. So we started this podcast as a way to share our love for science, reading, and sharing science news. Some people might say that we are huge nerds because in our free time, we decided to start a journal paper club behind the microphone. And to those people, I'd say, yes, we are huge nerds. <laughs> so, Charlie, what paper did you bring in for this week's episode? Okay, this one is very, very cool. Uh, this actually came in on a request from W. Higginson Kelly in Connecticut. He sent it to us on our email, paperboyspod at gmail.com. So shoot us any paper requests you guys have. Uh, and it's about the limits of human endurance. So it's all about like these scientists studied like ultra marathon runners and um, they actually even studied pregnant women in order to like understand what happens to the human body in these very, very long duration endurance activities. That's fascinating. I, you know, you probably saw in the news recently too, there's like a, been a huge series of deaths on Mount Everest. People like waiting above 26,000 feet or something like that. And all of these papers talk about like, oh, they're waiting at this altitude that's like the limit of human endurance. So I'm really curious what this is going to be. Yeah, I wonder if there's a similar, um, you know, similar arguments to be made for why those people are perishing as, as what this sort of limit of human endurance they find. But, you know, we'll, we'll get into it after the break, if you will. Welcome to Paper Boys. Charlie, uh, just before we get started and actually getting into this paper, which I'm really excited about, uh, I just wanted to say to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening. Charlie and I really appreciate it. We've been getting a lot of messages from people all over the world. I had one listener from Finland. Thank you so much for listening. Definitely made my day when I saw that. That was pretty cool. But if you haven't already, please follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Our handle is at paperboyspod. You can also leave a comment for us on iTunes or a review, and definitely don't forget to subscribe whatever your favorite podcast app is. The other thing, this is going to be new news for any, uh, any returning listeners. James and I have finally started a Patreon, so hopefully this is a way that we can support the show going forwards because uh, as you may or may not know, James and I are, are broke grad students and we do this for free in our spare time, and of course we love it and we would do it for free for eternity if we could. But, you know, having a little bit of support for the show helps us with being able to afford the equipment that we use for this show and all the hosting fees. So, and, you know, we're going to be giving you guys extra content. I think for pie dollars, that's $3.14, you get a bonus episode every month. So that's, you know, the cost of a cup of coffee. And, you know, we're going to give you some cool extra content and it will really mean a lot to us for you guys to support it. Also have some cool Paperboys merch that comes with different tiers, so keep an eye out for that. Charlie, what's our Patreon handle? Oh, it's uh, patreon.com slash paperboyspod, and you can check that out. Yeah, there's, there's going to be discounts for our merch and you know, some, other, some other cool perks. So. so, okay, the limits of human endurance. Waiting to dive into this paper has been testing my own 
patience endurance if that's a thing i know it's been, uh, been a tough wait been a tough wait it's just something uh i think it's really cool i've always been really interested in human endurance for like running mountain climbing things like that yeah you're not going to believe what they define as endurance though in this paper really yeah it's wild i mean earlier you were talking about mount everest and climbers and that's like that's like a 20 hour climb or something from when they go you know from their final stop up to the summit and back they yep. refer to events like that as being like relatively short in this paper <laughs> whoa well no i'm exaggerating they refer to like a marathon like you've ran a marathon before right yeah yeah and was that <laughs> was that hard for you yeah yeah it was super hard <laughs> yeah so they they actually refer to a marathon as being like short and like not an endurance event <laughs> really yeah in terms of what humans are capable of well yeah basically and also in terms of what data they were looking at for this paper okay yeah so what what news articles did you actually see about this that kind of got you on the track of this paper yeah so i mean i mentioned this one came in from a listener w higginson kelly over in connecticut and uh oh that's right yeah and there were a couple articles that i dug into as a result so the bbc says ultimate limit of human endurance found oh you mean the ultimate limit of human endurance the ultimate limit <laughs> <laughs> that was awful yeah wow um sorry charlie uh <laughs> well we're uh neither of us didn't doing such a hot job there science alert says there's a limit to human endurance right before your body starts eating itself which is which sounds kind of gross yeah uh, that's really gnarly yeah and then new york daily news says pregnant women and long distance runners push human endurance to its limit study says hmm. okay wow pregnant women you mentioned that right I did mention that, yeah. It's actually a very interesting data set that they looked at for this study. Um, the study itself is actually called Extreme Events Reveal an Alimentary Limit on Sustained Maximal Human Energy Expenditure. And it was published in the journal Science Advances on June 5th, 2019. So okay. just last hot week. Hot off the press. Yeah, hot off the press. And uh, first author is Caitlin Thurber. And the other authors are uh, Laura Dugas, Kara Akobic. Bryce Carlson, John R. Speakman, and Herman Ponser. And um, I think these are scientists from the Department of Anthropology at Hunter College in New York. And I think some of them are also from Duke University. Okay. Go Blue Devils. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm more of a Tar Heels guy, but <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess we got to de delete this podcast now. Uh-oh. Yeah. This episode's gone. So what did they look into for this paper? Yeah. I mean, so as you kind of got from these headlines... In the title of the paper, they're looking at, you know, max sustained maximal human energy expenditure. So essentially, like, look at kind of the extreme cases that humans put themselves in or are put in and mm -hmm. see how their body is processing energy. And to do this, obviously, they need like a data set of extreme activity. And so they kind of pulled this. It's mostly stuff from previous literature, but then they also introduced their own new data which was taken actually from, it's actually what they say is the, the longest endurance event where they have measured outcomes, like now reported in the literature. Really? What event is that? It's called the Race Across the USA, and it's a running race. Like that, Forrest Gump, right? Yeah. Actually, yeah. He was the, the primary participant in this study. <laughs> okay. But that's and crazy. I actually, I hadn't heard about that race. That sounds intense. It Wow, yeah, intense does not even cover it. So this is a race that lasts from January to June. They run from Huntington Beach, California to Washington, D.C. 
So for anyone who's Whoa. who's not familiar with the U.S., that's 5,000 kilometers. That's a long way. That's coast to coast, Pacific yeah. coast to Atlantic coast. Yeah. And they run. Um, so you, you, you ran one marathon and that was hard. Could you imagine yeah. running like one marathon, like two marathons back to back, like one day and then the next day? No, I could barely walk up the stairs. Okay. The next now, day. You, how about imagine running six marathons in six consecutive days? That's pretty crazy. For six months, right? Yes. So it's six. So it's six marathons a week for twenty weeks. Wow, that's nuts. I mean, how many participants do they have? I don't know. But in this study, they took data from six participants, and by the okay. end, they only had five. So I'm guessing one of them dropped out. Did you ever see or that documentary, died. The Barkley Marathons? Or died? Uh-oh. Uh oh. No. What's the Barkley Marathons? So the Barkley Marathons. It would be interesting to talk with these authors about it because the Barkley Marathons, this is a great documentary on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's on there anymore. There's this guy in Tennessee, like backwoods of Tennessee, who makes his own race every year and it's called the Barkley Marathons. And it's essentially, you do these loops that are, he says there are 20 miles, but they're really 26 miles. <laughs> and Jeez. so you do like the first loop clockwise and then the next loop counterclockwise, etc. But each loop has like an elevation change of like plus minus 10,000 feet. Oh my goodness. And there's five of them. No way. I think they call it like if you do three loops, it's like a fun run. (laughs) And you're timed. You only get 90 minutes to look at the map before the race. They don't tell you the starting point. It's like, it's kind of like this crazy hell. I'm guessing um, this is the kind of thing that like adrenaline, like endurance athlete junkies all hype up like all year. Yeah. Well, it was interesting, actually. A lot of the people are like researchers who end up doing well, maybe just because like really they have to keep their mind occupied for, you know, running five marathons and like more than the height elevation change of like several Everest climbs. Wow. That's crazy. uh, Tangent. But uh, yeah, well, we'll sign up for for next year's. Yes. Hopefully this paper unlocks the keys to that's true. Our maximum endurance. That's true. Yeah. Anyone listening to this will have the secret to run the Barkley Marathon immortality (laughs) no so they studied these runners from the race across the usa and then they combined it with all this data from other data sets of like uh there was actually some really cool sets they pulled from like one was a north pole expedition which is like a 48 day endurance event whoa Um, pregnancy which is 280 days which i would never like i don't know this is a really interesting paradigm i never would think of that as like comparing to you know ultra marathons or anything like that but it's like yeah, you're putting your body through the ringer and it's like something where your body needs to be producing a lot of energy, probably at its maximum capacity or close to it. So producing two bodies. <laughs> yes, producing two bodies. Uh, That's they cool. also, yeah, there's wow. also a study on like, there was like, you know, dozens of these, but I just picked out a couple of the cool ones. There was one on Gambian farmers during the harvest season, which is 120 days. And then uh, particularly interesting to me was elite lightweight rowing. They were studying... Ah. Uh, yeah, elite lightweight rowers training over the course of 14 days. That's interesting to me for anyone listening because I was a varsity rower in college. Thankfully, not lightweight, but <laughs> but I can at least relate on that front. So, Wow. Okay. So uh, you have a vested interest in the outcome of this paper. Yeah. Got to see where these rowers stack up against the other athletes. Okay. So, so they've sort of outlined some of the different athletes they want to study. I get that. But then like... They're trying to find the maximum, what's a good way to say it? Like the maximum exertion that you can do sustained? Uh, Yeah, actually, that's pretty close 
so what they actually call it is um, sustained metabolic scope. And what they what metabolic scope refers to is the uh, like your energy expenditure as a function of your base metabolic rate. So base metabolic rate is like the amount of energy that your body is just sort of like expending while you're just sort of sitting here and in the chair or like not doing an endurance sport. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like, you know, how you need a 2000 calorie diet or like on average a 2000 calorie diet, like 2000 calories would be your base metabolic rate. That's like the point at which, you know, intake equals expenditure when you're not doing any hard physical activity. Okay. And so like, presumably you can't just like expend 10,000 or 20,000 or unlimited calories per day forever, right? Like that's not possible. Uh, not forever, which is actually, which is what they were setting to find out in this study is like, what, where is that limit? So what, what they're measuring in these athletes and, you know, and pregnant women and farmers and all the people, you know, studied is their sustained metabolic scope, which they were, they refer to in, in terms of like a multiple of your base metabolic rate. So we'll call that BMR. So if you are expending at two times BMR, that's, you're expending 4,000 calories a day. Okay. And if your if your base metabolic rate is a two thousand. And sustained means that you could do this for twenty weeks or eight months or a year. I think it's no, I think the sustained metabolic scope just means that it's like it's what you expended like that day. Because like they can't or like uh, I don't know. Like do you see what I mean? Like there's like there's probably a, a maximum amount that you could do for a day. That would be higher than you could do for like multiple days. Yeah, so that that's a great point, and that's that's what they kind of initially found by doing all of this data. So they okay. actually found that relationship, which is that for shorter events, you have you can sustain a higher metabolic scope, and for longer events, you can sustain a lower metabolic scope. So I think I think what it is is like yeah, because they're measuring these over long periods. You know, some of these were like. For example, they took measures of triathletes over an 11-hour event. And over 11 hours, they can sustain 9.4 times their BMR over 11 hours. And then they also had measures of ultramarathon runners, which is like a 25-hour event. And they found that over 25 hours, they could sustain 8.5 times BMR. That's impressive. Yeah, another data point is like on the Tour de France, they measure their sustained metabolic scope and over 23 days which is the length of that event they could sustain four to five times their bmr and so you notice there's a trend there that as the event's getting longer that sustained metabolic scope is getting lower okay so the sustained part i think to answer your question from before is in reference to the length of the event like it's sustained over this particular period of endurance activity okay okay cool so how do you measure that so i actually I looked into this. It's really interesting. At least in the study on the race across the USA athletes, they measured um, total energy expenditure using this technique called doubly labeled water technique. And okay. it's kind of cool. I mean, I won't pretend to like understand it super well, but they have this water that is called doubly labeled water. It's not regular. It's like the H molecule is actually deuterium, which is like an isotope of hydrogen. It's like two H. And then Isn't that the, like heavy water that they use to make nuclear bombs? I don't know if they use it for nuclear bombs, but they do use it for nuclear fusion. But yeah, I mean, nuclear but heavy fusion. water is heavy water is common. Okay, like it's in the ocean. And uh, and then the O molecules or the O two molecule is like an isotope that's like eighteen O or something like that. 
Hmm. So it's basically it's water that's made up of two isotopes. And then what they have you do is you just drink this water. And I guess what happens is like the the 2H leaves the body as water, whereas the 18O leaves as both water and as CO2. And so what they can do is measure your elimination of these two different isotopes and subtract them to get a measure of how much CO2 you're producing. And then CO2 production is a proxy for energy expenditure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a pretty cool technique. And I think the reason they do something like this is that it's like pretty much non-invasive. They just need to, you drink the water and then you just give them like a urine sample every however long, you know? So like, obviously that's really easy for like an athlete, like doing an endurance event. You just tell them like, drink this as your hydration source. And then like, when you have to pee, just like pee into this cup and like leave it and we'll take it, you know? Whoa, okay. That's cool. Uh, That's like a very streamlined way for measuring this. I thought they'd have to like instrument them with, you know, those, if you've seen the Batman series, Bane, he has that mask and you've probably seen people in the gym wearing those. Oh yeah, like running on the treadmill with one of those things. Yeah, the way they do like, what is it, VO2 max tests for like mountain climbers and stuff on treadmills. Yeah, so that's actually called respirometry. And they did use that in this study um, to get their like resting metabolic rate. So like before... okay. Like before they started the event and I think, you know, like maybe after the events and stuff, they did. Because I think that's probably more accurate and you can probably get more measures that way. But yeah, so they they actually did use that. Just thankfully, they didn't strap it to them while they were competing in this race across the USA. Or while they're trying to defeat Batman. Or a hindrance. That would be a big hindrance. But yield is such important data. (laughs) Yeah, I wonder what Bane's BMR is. (laughs) Um, It's cool though. So they did these measurements and like, at least on these race across USA athletes, I was pretty fascinated. Um, before the race, their like resting energy expenditure is 3,000 calories a day. So that's like whoa baseline for these guys. And then they just exercise so much that their baseline metabolism is just like on fire. On fire. Yeah, they're just like burning through stuff all the time. And then during the first Jeez. week of the race, they're burning 6,200 pa- calories per day, which was a metabolic scope of 3.76 just times BMR. To give a reference This point. is Tour de France, right? No, this is the race across USA. Oh, race across USA. Sorry. Yeah. So week, okay. week one was 6,200 calories a day. And then by the 20th week, they were only burning 4,900 calories per day with a metabolic scope of 2.81 times BMR. Really? Yeah. So really interestingly, like by the end of the race, they were burning less energy. And the huh. authors sort of suggested like it could be that they had lost body weight. It could be that like they're so exhausted that they've stopped doing anything outside of the racing. Like they're not oh. doing any other physical activity. So um, you're done running. You just like collapse and just collapse sleep. and like don't move for, for 12 hours, you know. Dude, uh, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine doing anything six days a week for 20 weeks like that discipline. Dude, it's I crazy. can't I, I mean, can't I even eat, go to like the regular gym to like erg for 20 minutes six days a week you know yeah let alone Uh, like yeah like they're spending more time probably running than i do like on my job you know (laughs) they're running a lot gotta run a lot yeah so uh, so just to sort of reiterate that then so the race across america they're using about like four to five times their bmr Uh, like 62 down to 4900 calories yeah more like three to four so it was 3.76 versus 2.81 you know from week one to week 20 Okay. Okay. Yeah. What did they find for the other events? So I mentioned a couple of those other ones. And then, you know, I also said there's like dozens of them and they plot them all on this curve of on the X axis is the duration of the event in days. And then on the Y axis is the metabolic scope measured for that event. 
and there's like this perfect negative logarithmic relationship. Oh, and yeah. this is across like dozens of events, you know, and things from that's awesome. Yeah, with the duration of like half a day all the way through things with the duration of 280 days. And they fit on this curve like almost perfectly. That is really cool. Yeah. And, yeah. What, and what was extra cool that the scientists said is that they could not find a single example in the literature of an athlete who fell above this curve. Like really? You know, like beyond statistical significance, you know? Like obviously there's a little bit of scatter, but they couldn't find any sort of like outlier. That's crazy. So, I mean, this is like sort of the upper limit of what's possible for metabolic scope. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, they drew an analogy to how there's been a lot of study of like, you know, max running speed versus race distance mm -hmm. and how there's also like a really kind of a hard curve on that. And this is just the same thing, but in terms of like how much energy you can physically expend in your body. Whoa, that's cool. So for listeners who aren't aware, my, the area of study for my PhD is like communication systems, communication theory information theory also there's like you know a very solid limit of how much information you can transmit that's sort of like this logarithmic relationship and it's just cool i mean you know that's sort of a there are plenty of limits all over the universe of things that you cannot exceed like the speed of light things like that no i think this is but, evidence uh, that we are living in a hologram and we're hologram <laughs> we're, in, we're in a computer simulation we're just our bodies are subject to information theory maybe the calories that we burn is just like you know, breaking down entropy, which is like, you know, disinformation. Yeah. The calories are just fake bits, news, man. The calories. What if calories are fake news? <laughs> Us running is, I don't know. We're um, just running on the information superhighway, man. <laughs> Elon Musk, if you're listening, <laughs> I was programmed to say that. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Our overlord, Elon. Elon. Yeah. I mean, all right. All joking aside, though, that is really cool. It's really um, cool. Yeah. I, I was, I mean, I'm like kind of blown away by this. What's, so what's, I'm looking at this graph. It, part C, it says habitual. What does that mean? Yeah. So the habitual on the side is just a bunch of data points of like people worldwide with different activity levels and different lifestyles of what is their base metabolic rate. And that comes in kind of later, a little bit later in the paper. Um, but you can see you, James, not the listeners, because this is an audio format, but We'll post this on the website and you can all see it. Um, you can see that they're all bunched together. Like they all have the same exact base metabolic rate. And the number is actually like a little bit less than, sorry, they all have like the same, you know, sustained metabolic scope, which is a little bit less than two times the base metabolic rate. And so that's just, they use that as evidence later for this suggestion that there is like a physiological reason why humans can't exceed this curve. Mm. Well, so what is the physiological reason then that's limiting this? So what the authors suggest here is, uh, and you may remember this from the title, which was super memorable. <laughs> um, the title of there being a lot of words. Yes. One of those words was alimentary. And mm -hmm. I, man, I really had to struggle not to say alimentary, my dear Watson there. <laughs> I was like, every time I wrote it in this, in my Google doc here, I, I wrote it afterwards. <laughs> uh, but so the alimentary system I think just it refers to like your digestive system and your liver, like basically the way that your body processes food and drinks that come into your body. And so this is okay. kind of, yeah, and this is like an interesting hypothesis because there had been previous theories that it was maybe like your body's ability to distribute oxygen and nutrients, like using your heart and your vasculature. Like maybe that was the limiting factor that defined what your base metabolic rate was, um, or maybe it's 
like thermoregulation, like maybe heat has something to do with it. Uh, but they kind of ruled those out. Uh, like the heat one, at least they ruled out because, I mean, some of these events they're looking at were like, you know, Arctic trekking versus like, you know, a race across the USA where you're like in the desert for part of it. So, and they found that there was no difference mm-hmm. in those two data sets. So, wow. Okay. But so the alimentary system, they, I mean, they needed a way to like test whether that hypothesis is true. And what this hypothesis says is, since I didn't really explain it, is that there's like a physical limit to how quickly your body is able to absorb the nutrients out of food and and drinks. So like I could eat like, I could eat a meal super, super fast, right? But then the rate limiting step here is that your organs can only like process that energy so fast. It doesn't matter if I stuff 100,000 calories into my mouth, like it still has to get processed right. and turned into energy. And certain foods will be processed faster, but like I can't just inject straight energy into my body. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and that's why and even if you could, it's like, what would you do with it? Well, you get fat. That's so that's like kind of actually what they looked at to test this hypothesis. And that's what one of those headlines meant when it said that your body would start eating itself. So it's kind of coming together now. Oh, So their theory is that if you eat more than this physical limit that your alimentary system is able to process, then your body has to store that energy, which is fat. And if you eat less than what that elementary limit is, then your body's going to be expending more energy than it's going in and you're going to lose weight. Because it has to get the energy from somewhere. And so it just breaks down your muscle or fat or... Exactly. Exactly. Whatever you're composed of. Right. And so like maintaining your weight exactly where it is, is the equivalent to consuming exactly as much energy as you're expending and so what they did was they found a bunch of studies both in endurance sports and also overfeeding and then also pregnancy that looked at you know energy intake versus like weight gain essentially and so Mm. like there's literally these overfeeding studies it sounded kind of gross like they literally got participants to sign up to like do nothing and eat too much and then they like measured how much weight they gained it's so gross that's fascinating though. I, so one thing I've always wondered is like, let's say I go out, I eat like a huge greasy hamburger and a bunch of French fries and I haven't exercised all day, taking way more calories than I expended for the day. When will I like notice a weight change? But it's got to be like immediate, right? It's like, quick. Yeah. You're not going to, I mean, they the talk, day, it's quick. Yeah. Like their measures of this, you know, their these studies were over the course of like only like days or weeks. And they talk mm-hmm. about the weight gain and loss in terms of, you know, kilograms per day so Whoa, i mean the okay. numbers are you know 0.2 kilograms per day and you know negative 0.2 and stuff but still that's it like that's a couple pounds a week did you ever see that simpsons treehouse of horror where like homer goes to hell and they're like your punishment is we're just going to keep feeding you donuts so he's strapped to this chair oh. and they have this automated like cartoon machine that's just like pumping donuts into his <laughs> oh mouth and he's just going <laughs> and uh that's what I'm imagining. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's basically what they do for this study. <laughs> Machine and all. Machine and all. Yeah. Okay. Uh cool. no, but Just so I sure. mean it's interesting that they did it with Well, yeah, so when they took all these data points and they plot the metabolic scope versus uh-huh. the weight change. So you can imagine, you know, these endurance athletes have a metabolic scope that is higher. Like, you know, some of these data points are up in like the 4.5 or like 3.5 times BMR. And then the overfeeding people where they're like doing nothing all day, their metabolic scopes are on the low end, like, you know, 1.5, like less than two, you know. And, okay. and then there's one pregnancy data point too. And when you plot all these different data points, they follow like a linear negative curve. So 
at lower metabolic scopes, the weight changes higher. And at higher metabolic scopes, the weight changes lower, which you'd expect. But what's really interesting about that is that like in one case, you're talking about like athletic activity and the other you're talking about like doing nothing, which you might think are like kind of qualitatively different, but they fall on the exact same curve. So it kind of suggests that it is, has nothing to do with what type of activity you're doing. It has everything to do with your alimentary system. Oh, okay. But maybe like the type of acti- activity that you're doing stimulates the alimentary system in a different way, like anaerobic versus aerobic exercise or... No, I mean, so their suggestion here, well, I mean, like anaerobic versus aerobic, like anaerobic would be, you know, really short and like higher intensity activity, which is why mm-hmm. you have a, you know, me- metabolic scope that's much higher for the shorter activities like we saw with that negative logarithmic curve. But you don't really get limited by the alimentary system in that case. But so here's what's here's what where the okay. whole paper really okay. came together for me. Seeing this plot where you have your overfeeding and your endurance athletes, it crosses the the zero axis of like no weight change. It crosses like right around 2.5 times BMR. So like mm-hmm. the point where the point where you are not gaining or losing weight is at 2.5 times BMR, which when you go back up to the uh, endurance plot. Dun, dun, dun. It, it like levels out as the, you know, as the length of the event gets longer, that curve flattens out at 2.5 times BMR. So that's the limit. So that is kind of what they suggest is the, the alimentary limit is that, you know, if you're doing these short events, you can kind of override your system. Like your body can consume itself for shorter events, you know, like 50 days or like 20 days or like one day. But once you start getting out into this like 200, 300 days, it, this curve, it has flattened out and it doesn't go below 2.5 times BMR because which beyond that point, it's not sustainable. Matches the race across America where they, were, they saw that trend of the BMR. Yes. What is it? The BMR decreasing yes, over the course the, of yeah. the race? So in, in one week of running a marathon every day, those race across USA guys were at like 3.5. 87 times BMR, but by week 20, they were at 2.86. And so you imagine if you went to week 50, they're probably down at like 2.6 and like leveling off at that 2.5 times BMR mark. These racers just got to stop being so lazy stopping at 20 weeks and they got to <laughs> run for 50 weeks so we I can know. find out. But it's crazy because it suggests that like eventually your body stops going at the point where, where it's like, it's like a homeostasis, you know? Like over the long Your term, body it's going to reach this steady state. Itself. Right, exactly. Yeah. It reaches this steady state where it's like, no, I'm not going to let you exert any more than I'm capable of taking in, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. That's fascinating. It, this is reminding me of some study I read a while back where it's like, they're basically saying like, most of the time when you're exercising, you stop before your actual physical limit because you like subconsciously, you don't want to hurt yourself. Yeah. So if you can encourage people to feel happier as they're reaching that limit, they'll push themselves harder. Like you sort of push away those negative feelings, huh? But uh, I mean, you could come up with some very unethical tests of pushing <laughs> yeah, people well sure. beyond their limit. Well, it, but, yeah, it kind of um, does make me wonder. It's, like, it's interesting. It does make me wonder. Like, what is it that makes a great athlete? Then you know, like, it's not. There is a physical limit to long duration, but as you mm-hmm. as you can tell from that curve, the energy expenditure gets very high for short events. You know, like I mean, what was it the triathletes were at 9.4 times BMR and that's 11 hours. Now imagine like, what do you think the number is for like 
a person who's running a 5k you know it's probably like 20 times bmr so at that point yeah it's it's probably more of like mentally how hard can you push your body you know whereas in the long run there's no mental aspect that can let you go harder you know it's just about who's more efficient Oh, yeah. I mean, I wonder for like, you know, those strongman competitions or like the Olympic weightlifters, Mm -hmm. like that's the like, I can't really think of anything that's like shorter and more intense. Yeah, totally. For like, just like impulse. It'd be really cool to see, you know, in like two seconds, what's their sort of BMR at that point. Yeah. And like the limiting factor in that case is going to be something that's totally not elementary, you know, because like, why would your digestive tract care at all for such a tiny little surge, you know? Yeah. I mean, maybe in that case, actually, you could probably just calculate how much actual work they're expending and like. The sure. Energy. Yeah. But the maybe question is not the best. Comparison. The question would be like, what's the theoretical maximum that a human could do? Yeah. Know? Which like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. It probably has to do with like the yield strength of muscle or something. <laughs> yeah. At some point and like twitching speed and yeah. contract, you know, like with contraction and stuff. Yeah. Well, um, next week on Paper Boys, we'll be looking at. <laughs> power lifters yeah we're gonna we're actually gonna bring in the mountain from game of thrones oh yeah talk about his studies (laughs) yeah um and what it was like to be on game of thrones no (laughs) i wish well that was a really cool paper i mean were there there any other parts of it that you wanted to bring up or were those sort of the main takeaways i mean that's that's the main thing yeah i hope that i like didn't kind of butcher this i feel like i didn't get as much into like kind of the technical stuff as i wanted to but i was just so I was just so blown away by like the the thought behind this, like the reasoning behind it, you know, like there was mm-hmm. nothing really revolutionary necessarily about, oh, like we're, we were able to take better measures because we developed a new technique or something. It was like, I mean, they used mostly data from previous studies, but it was just more like the way that they reasoned that this limit exists, you know, like they they took all this evidence, they put it all together and they laid it out in a way that says like, look, there's a thing going on here in the literature that no one is really talking about. And, you know, in some of these news articles, like there's quotes from, you know, like Harvard professor, whatever their name is, like, you know, who's not involved in the study saying like, I'm very convinced by this. Wow. So I mean, it's cool. It, it seems like it really represents a novel idea. I mean, all almost all the research papers that are published are novel in some way. Maybe they just address like a small gap that hasn't been addressed. But like, this really seems like a new way to think about it, like you were saying. Yeah, it's like a new paradigm. And it's also like an imp- an actually important result, you know? I mean, there's a lot of research where it's like, oh, that's really cool and nifty. But ultimately, you know, it doesn't really affect my life. But this could actually like mm-hmm. really help you kind of understand yourself better, you know? And like it could have all kinds of cool implications for dieting and, and other types of exercise. I don't know. And I also thought it was cool. Oh, I didn't mention about the pregnancy. Pregnancy for the 280 days of pregnancy their sustained metabolic scope is 2.2 times BMR, which is like, you know, butting up against that limit, suggesting that it's like almost as hard as these endurance events are, you know? Wow. As far as the limits on the body. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. I wonder if the nine months sort of evolved from if sort of if like there was a metabolic limit that sort of influenced the actual duration of pregnancy. Dude, yeah. They, nine months. They actually say that in the paper. They say. Really? That this like limit of 2.2 times BMR could constrain fetal growth and gestation period. So like because they the absolute maximum that the body can expend is this 2.5 times limit that sets like a hard upper bound on how 
quickly can a human grow inside of you, you know? Because that wow. takes some finite amount of energy, so. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Neat. Yeah. How neat is that? It's very neat. So, I don't very know. It's neat. just got a lot of, like, really, really cool implications, and I don't know. I, I hope this just kind of blows the door open on, I don't know. I mean, I know we said this last week, but this seems like the kind of thing that could be in a textbook and be like, okay, yes, this is how humans work. Yeah, like from now on when we teach like high school health class and they talk about like dieting or things like that, it's like this is the, you know, this is the reason for so many things. Right. It's like that we do like health and eating and development of babies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was a little bit bummed. Some of these news articles like didn't really grasp the concept of like what this limit really meant. Okay, that was that was my next question was like how well did the actual popular news treat this? paper yeah so they reported on like the science well and the the technique like the method that they were using here but then there was just like a couple little lines that i noticed where it's like "Mm, no that's not really what they mean like they were talking about like endurance athletes ability to exceed this limit or or like be below this limit yeah like this new york daily news article so, you know, there's this line where they say, like, the cap is about 2.5 times the body's resting metabolic rate, a rate reached by long-distance runners and approached by pregnant women. And so it's like the... Doesn't do it justice. Well, no, the suggestion is kind of that, like, you can't exceed this. And that's what I noticed in, in all of these news articles was this this uh, sort of implication that, oh, you can't exceed this cap of 2.5 times the body's metabolic rate. It's like, well, actually, that's more of like the floor for endurance athletes where like, you know, these like I mentioned, like the Tour de France, they're they're sitting at they're sitting much higher than that rate for like 23 triathletes are nine times. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, uh, it's just uh, and I don't want to say that it's that the writers didn't get it, but it's just like reading this versus when I read the paper, what they say in the news is not really representing it correctly. It, It implies to me that like. Oh, wow. You can't go beyond two and a half times. I'm going to put you on the spot, Charlie. Okay. If uh, you are the chief editor of the New York Times, you know, your underling journalist just came out with a paper. He came up with a headline. You don't like it. What do you say? What's your headline? Well, first I say you're fired. And then and then I say and then I say, give me that. And my headline (laughs) would be and then I scribble all over their page. Uh, what would be my headline blood red ink (laughs) i would say scientists find limiting factor for human endurance okay and i guess that takes into account like it's really that curve that they plotted that logarithmic curve that best describes what's happening it's like if the x-axis is time and the y-axis is your um energy expenditure basically your metabolic in terms of metabolic rate like yeah that's setting the limit short duration you can expend a lot long duration it tapers out and it converges to this limit yeah yeah exactly and and, uh, you, and people don't fall above this curve exactly yeah people can't exceed that curve well and maybe they can but the scientists say in this paper they say like well we did not find any evidence and like <laughs> they're almost like asking like please come forth with any evidence that someone can exceed this because that would be a huge breakthrough wow okay cool yeah but i think you know the focus being on like that there is a limiting factor versus like um saying that like yeah i don't know i won't i I won't pretend to be better at their jobs than than the new york times editors are you know 
purely a hypothetical. Yeah. Purely a hypothetical. Yeah. I'm sure someone will make a podcast next week saying, you know, this Paperboy's headline, they really just missed the mark. <laughs> yeah, someone's going to do like a Paperboy's Paperboy's podcast of like, <laughs> all these mainstream science podcasts don't get the science news debunking right. I know. And to be fair, our episode titles sometimes are, uh, I, I won't claim that we're very good at, you know, being totally honest with them. So, yeah, you know. You, Actually, no. you try to break the system for a while and you just become part of it. I know. You live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Yeah, I think the Who wrote it. Who poignantly said, new man, same as the old. Oh, um, no, it's, isn't it meet, meet the new boss, same as the old boss? I mean, differing texts have different <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm using the King James translation. <laughs> of the Who. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that was, uh, that was a really fascinating article. I'm going to be thinking about that a lot when I painfully try to wake up tomorrow to run. I know. Um, I feel like it's going to make like a real whim. It's going to make working out a lot worse now. Yeah. Sort of this existential knowledge now that like I'm nowhere near my physical limit. I know. But it kind of is exciting like, oh, I can I can exceed that limit for this short duration. Also, I used to find like when I was doing a really long workout, like sometimes you get into like a, a total zone. And for me, that zone was like, I am like a machine, like what I put in comes out, you know, (laughs) like it just, it kind of helps. Like maybe I'll just be thinking about this study. Like, yes, 2.5 times. (laughs) (laughs) Next week on Paperboy is Robot Charlie co-hosts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, it it is really interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of food for thought during extended cardio activity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, thanks. um, Thank you for listening to my ramblings about this paper for the last hour absolutely absolutely it was a pleasure for me and i'm obligated to as the co-host for you the listeners thank you so much for sticking around uh we really appreciate your listening and support if you aren't already again please follow us on social media hit us up if you have any paper recommendations or thoughts at paper voice pod on instagram and twitter subscribe leave us a comment leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use yeah, and again, please check out our new Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. Cost of one coffee per month, $3.14 pie. We thought we were pretty clever with that. Actually, all the tiers <laughs> are a, uh, a clever universal constant. So you should go to the website, check out what they are, see if you recognize some of them. But yeah, we'd really appreciate the support and uh, you know the opportunity for you guys to engage in the show. Thanks so much for listening and join us next week for another exciting edition of Paperboys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>